You're listening to Singleness, Sex, and Dating with Perry Noble. You can connect with Perry and read more of his thoughts on relationships at perrynoble.com. Hey everyone, my name is Stacey. Good day, mate. <laughs> you are listening to the Singleness, Sex, and Dating podcast with Perry Noble. Woo-hoo. Thanks for tuning in to the September edition. What a great time of the year. Can I just say, fall is in the air, college football is back. Yes, and we have a bunch of new questions today to ask you, Pastor Pete. Did, did you just, right before the podcast, did you tell me you went to a college football game yesterday? I did, I did. Is college football pretty, I mean, overall, is it pretty cool? I mean, because y'all don't have that in Australia. It's a great experience. The crowd, the... That's it. That's it? Okay. Um, Well, we're still going to get you to a Quakers game. So um, that's very important to keep in mind. Can't wait. All right. Let's jump straight in with the first question from Karis in California. She says, what is the appropriate age to start accepting godly pursuits from guys? Um, 40. If your name's Karis, maybe. That's it. Okay. So I have an opinion and um, it's my opinion, but it's right. So I'll just share it. I, I don't even think you should date in middle school um, because you're, you're, you're just not going to remember the person's name 30 years later. Yep. Um, uh, I, 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 rem- I do remember a girl I dated in middle school, but she was weird. And so that's the only, I mean, she was really weird, like super weird. Um, but I think, you know, toward the end of high school, college is the appropriate time um, because, but that that's just me. I've always just thought middle school is just that, it's, it's that time that you do not want to get mm. caught up in dating, but but our society pressures us to do that. So, Karis, I've told I've told my daughter Karis that forty is appropriate. <laughs> um, actually, I did. We had a conversation the other night, and I told her that she can start like talking to guys, like seriously talking to guys when she's twelve. Uh, she just can't use toothpaste or deodorant until she's 70. And so <laughs> I, I think that's good. No, I, yeah, I'm, after, oh after, after middle school, I think high school is pretty that's good. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. The second question is from Kyle in South Carolina, and he asks, why were Old Testament heroes such as Solomon, David, Abraham, and Jacob allowed to have more than one wife? Because they were morons. <laughs> I mean, if you've got more than one wife, then you've got more than one mother-in-law. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> no, my mother-in-law is awesome. She's, she can cook. She's, she's really great. She treats me well. Um, you know, I've always wondered that, Kyle, and I've always kind of questioned why that was. And so my answer to you is going to have to be a great, solid, I don't know. Um, uh, I, 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 don't see a, I don't see a mandate in Scripture against it in the Old Testament, but everything in the New Testament seems to point towards one man and one woman, Mm -hmm. especially the metaphor with Christ and the church. You know, Jesus and the church. Jesus, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Mm -hmm. And so that metaphor, and so um, uh, Solomon, David, Abraham, and Jacob, um, while biblical figures um, shouldn't be the shouldn't be the standard. Mm. Yeah, and I think even adding to that, if you see those examples, I mean Solomon, that's what led to his kind of his downturn was that he ha- that he married all those wives. He had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines, and that ended up leading him work? to a bad place. How did that work? Hey, what's your name? Oh, we're married. Yeah, okay, exactly. And then David, obviously with Bathsheba, that led 
as as well to misery for him and then Abraham that didn't go so well with him and all the wives he had and Jacob obviously with the the girls that he was married to I mean I think Jacob's that, got the most jacked up story in the world but if you look at it the Old Testament sets it up as in this leads to misery as you said it doesn't lead to a good thing for any of these men that he just listed well think about Jacob and what was, what was it is it Rachel and Leah the sisters mm-hmm. yeah Rachel and Leah so one was ugly or it what was the what's the phrase in the Bible um easy like tough to look at or lazy eyes or something like that but 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 think about this think about this and this wasn't the question but think about this um the bible says you know laban tricked him he he married the wrong sister had sex with her and did not know it was the wrong person until the next morning Mm. like how do you do that like oh my bad like like how does that happen but that's proof that you can be sexually active with someone and not know them. And that's a dangerous wow. place to be. Yep. Well, that wasn't the answer to what he asked, but that's awesome. I love it. Well, I love what you said. That was good. The third question is from Alex in Georgia. Georgia. And she or he writes. Georgia. Actually, it might be a girl. Okay. <laughs> she says, how important is chemistry in dating? <laughs> I love it when she I'm gets sorry, you're going to have to do that again. No, 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 we're not, we're not <laughs> editing that. You're going to have to answer. Okay, you're have to she act. says, how important is chemistry in dating and looking for a future spouse? For example, if you like and respect a guy a whole lot, but you just don't have that spark. Well, Alex, I would tell you that marriage is not about the spark. Um, if, you've got, if you like a guy, you respect the guy, um, obviously there needs to be... Um, romantic mm. you know interest but marriage isn't about sparks marriage is about continually making the effort to love one another each and every day and um mm, that's great i remember i got a breakup letter one time and uh it was from a anyway there's a dating story associated with her that's really interesting but she wrote me the sweetest letter i mean um i'm four paragraphs in and I think I'm the greatest man in the world. And the fifth paragraph said, all of this to say, you're a great guy. I'm just not romantically interested in you. Um, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm over it now, sort of. But I was like, okay, well, I mean, we did have chemistry. So, so there needs to be some romantic interest. But the spark is, um, I remember the first time after I was dating Lucretia for a while, she came to see me one weekend and um, I just, it didn't give me butterflies in my stomach. Mm. I wasn't like, oh, it's Lucretia. I was like, oh, it's Lucretia. <laughs> um, and I really, I, I just had that attitude. And so mm. she left that weekend and I called a couple in my church that they dated for several years before they got married. They'd been married for three years. And I remember going over to their living room, sitting down in the floor with both of them and, um, and telling them my experience. And they both laughed at me. And um, I mean, not I mean, they weren't making fun of me, but they were like, dude, that's marriage. That's dating. If you love her, you got to push through that rather than, oh, um, this relationship isn't serious and I need to yep. give up on it. Yeah, that's great. And I think even if you had chemistry or a great spark, that doesn't mean it's the right relationship either, because you can have that and it be a sinful relationship or the wrong one. Yeah, so that's true. That's true. It's not a good deciding factor. That's for sure. Spark. Question number four is all the way from Kentucky. I don't know where that is, but I should find out. You don't know where Kentucky is? Nope. Probably in the Midwest. (laughs) No. 
Folks, this is not, this is as serious as it gets. This is unedited. And where is it? It's, I promise you, then before Stacy's allowed to do another <laughs> podcast, she's going to have to learn the states and capitals. Um, All right, I'll try. Try my best. Kentucky is right above Tennessee. You know where Tennessee is? Nope. <laughs> Not sure. You don't know where Tennessee is? Below us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, moving this on. This is the best podcast ever. So, Joshua from Kentucky, he writes Hey, possibly. Blue moon of Kentucky, you keep on shining. I'm trying to get more songs in here. He says, I'm very much attracted to and have a lot of admiration for a girl that I do youth ministry with, but she is only interested in friendship. I'm an interesting guy and I believe I'd make a great husband, but most Christian girls tend to want the bad boys. My question is, why do Christian guys always seem to finish last? Great question, Joshua. First of all, the reason that most Christian girls want the bad boys is because many times they see themselves somewhat as the savior. Hmm. They see themselves as a person that can step in and fix his life. And women are very nurturing. Women are very caring. And so that's the reason they tend to want the, the bad boys. It's because they have what I call the Messiah complex. Wow. And um, that's something that girls have to be taught. You can't fix him. You're not the Holy Spirit. Jesus has to fix him in his time. And sometimes um, God won't fix a guy because of a compromising girl in the in the way. Mm. Um, and so that wasn't your question, Joshua. I'm, um, but I would I would I would just tell you, you know, if, if you're interested in the girl and all she wants is a friendship, I would tell you, be a great friend. That's good. Um, so when I talked to Lucretia about dating, and we had this conversation in God 1994 maybe. And she didn't start dating me until 1996. And so we had a conversation about it in 94. And she told me, essentially, I don't know that I want to date you, but I'm interested in a friendship. And for me, that was good enough. I was like, she's like, um, she's like the most amazing person I've ever met. So if she wants a friendship, I'll dedicate to it till as long as she wants to dedicate to it. And so if you're really interested in this girl and she says, I just want to be a friend, then just be mm-hmm. a great friend. Because mm-hmm. eventually, That's eventually, right. I mean, she'll probably, I mean, if it's if it, what God wants, she'll wear down. That's right. And usually it's the, the immature girls who want the bad boys. And so praying that you find one of those mature girls who's going to want one of the good guys. Amen. All right. All All right. right. Next question is from Carly, I was going to say Charlie, but that's Carly, Carly. in South Carolina. And she asked, You know where that is? Yeah, I'm right. I'm sitting in it. Okay. <laughs> she says, In a relationship, how can you tell when to keep fighting and when to just let it go and break up? Um, great question, Carly. Uh, I would say fighting is natural in a relationship. Like, for example, I know a couple yesterday mm-hmm. that got into an argument. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they still love each other, right? I'm sure they do. Oh, yeah. Hypothetically. We're <laughs> hypothetically. talking hypothetically. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, um, so no, I, I would say it's natural. But if the, the, the problem is, is if I know, I know people that date and they fight every day. Hmm. And, but they say, when we get married, it, it's going to stop. And I'm like, no, when, it get, when you get married, it's going to go to the next level. I mean, it's, we've talked about it on this podcast before. Marriage is a magnifier. Hmm. 
And so if you're always fighting, um, you got to figure out why. Um, is it selfishness, self-centeredness yeah, or whatever? Wow. But at the end of the day, if, if you're all, if, if the majority of the relationship's fighting, you definitely don't pursue that thing. Definitely, you know, throw in the towel. There's just some people that aren't meant to be together. Mm. That's good. And I think even adding on that, because if you listeners, if you didn't pick up on that, that was directed at me. I had a fight with my boyfriend yesterday, but I'm just so learning so often that fighting that I fight with my boyfriend because I don't get my fulfillment in Christ or I haven't gotten it in Christ that day or, you know, I'm just trying to get from my boyfriend what I can only get from the Lord. And so I just want to challenge you with that, that maybe you're fighting because you're not getting your fulfillment from Jesus or that you're being needy and you're taking that to another human rather than to the ultimate source who can fill you and complete you. So... Hey, that's what I'm learning. I'm, I've been married for 15 years and feel like I just got kicked in the head. That was great. <laughs> it was good. The next question is from Carla from North Dakota. Do you know where North Dakota is? No idea. Okay. I'm sorry. Above South Dakota. <laughs> Thank you. You are learning. She writes, I'm learning to put down my ideals of what a godly man looks like. For example, maybe he isn't the upfront Christian leader. Maybe he is the silent man who communicates his love for God by doing actions. So I want to ask you, what are the different ways that men show their love for God? How can I know when a man's first priority is God? Great question, Carla. Um, I would tell you to, to put this characteristic down as far as a man. I want a man that's radically in love with Jesus. And let that be it. Don't make a list, because if you make a list, um, nobody's going to be able to fulfill that list. I want a man who's radically in love with Jesus. Um, But, you know, you can always tell when a guy loves Jesus. Different men are going to express it in different ways. Different people express, like, some people are, um, like, uh, they're, they're what I call worshipers. They, they are on the front row. They got both hands in the air, like they're holding up Mufasa in The Lion King. I mean, they are going for, going just just going for it in worship. Um, my wife is not that way. I'm not sure that Lucretia has ever raised her hand um, in a worship service. In fact, if she did, um, I would expect the rapture to happen, right? But <laughs> but she she's a very intellectual mm. person. I mean, she she looks at the lyrics of the song and lets the truth move her heart. Um, and so it it's I would say if there's seven billion people on the planet, then there's probably seven billion different ways to express wow. your love for God. That's awesome. And so don't don't say, well, he doesn't read his Bible for an hour wow. a day. Um, well, okay, he might not, but the guy might his prayer life might be strong. You can you can tell when a guy is in love with Jesus, it's when he has to convince you of his love for Jesus that you should be careful. Wow. So how did you not project project onto Lucretia your relationship with the Lord? How did you just help? I talked to her about it. I you asked did. her, I said, listen, I raise my hands, you don't raise your hands. Why don't you raise your hands um, in worship? Because I did. I, th- I thought of myself as a little bit more spiritually mm. superior to her. Um, and she explained it to me. She said, um, I very much, I mean, she very much loves the Lord. She said, I'm just, she said, I really do. And so we walked through a song that we had sang that day. And she walked me through the lyrics. And she was like, when, when it says this, it says this, and it means this. And theologically, it goes here. And she had thought about stuff. Wow. And she really was worshiping the Lord her God with all her mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay, she's going to worship Jesus in a different way. So, so, for example, I love to journal. She does not. I love to listen to 
um, podcast. She loves to read Christian fiction. She feels like the Lord speaks to her through Christian fiction. I've tried to read some of the stuff that she read. Like she loves Ted Decker. And um, I I tried to read one of his books and I still don't. There was something about people and planets and aliens and, and I, I, I don't understand it. But it's it, we worship God differently, and mm-hmm. we both respect we both respect that about each other. That's that's a great answer. Good question as well from Carla. That was a great question. Next one is from Christina in South Carolina, and she writes: What about those of us who struggle with homosexuality but don't want to be single the rest of our lives? How do we cope? Great question, Christina. Um, you gotta understand, and this is this is difficult. Um. But you got to understand that you can have companionship without sex. And I think the biggest myth that exists in the world is you if you've got companionship with someone, then there's got to be sex involved. Mm. And so I'm not I'm not telling you that you're gay or you're not gay. Um, I, 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 I have seen um, and, and talked to and have friends that really are attracted to the same sex. But they have told me, so this is not something that I came up Mm -hmm. with because I've asked them, how do you deal with that? Because a lot of people say, well, you just need to pray that you won't be gay. Um, And and I'll say that I've seen that happen in people. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen people that say, I really do love Jesus but I'm still attracted to people of the same sex. And so if that's the, if that's the issue, then you got to understand that you can have friendships, but those friendships, listen, you can't base your friendship on physical intimacy. Mm. Um, that's, when it takes a, that's when it takes a wrong turn. So um, I, I had a young man recently tell me, he said, I am gay, I'm a Christian now because he gave his life to Christ. He said, so I understand that my call for the rest of my life is to be celibate. Wow. And uh, I didn't say that. I mean, it, mm. he, this guy had been saved for 48 hours. Nobody had talked to him. Nobody had I, Nobody had sat down with him. I mean, this guy, this was out of his own mouth. And I'm like, wow, the Holy Spirit is working in mm. his life. And so, um, Christine, you don't have to be you don't you can have great great friendships that have nothing to do with sex or sexuality mm, that's really good again thanks for writing that in christina yeah that was that was good that was good the next question is from kayla in kentucky blue moon of kentucky you keep on shining you know who's saying that no idea okay go ahead <laughs> she writes i've never found it attractive for a man to have a previous marriage and or kids I feel those are things I want to experience for the first time with my husband. All my life, people have told me I'm picky, but I just feel I'm searching for God's best for me. What do you think? Should I ask God to open my heart and mind to something I've never thought I wanted, or am I right in being so selective? Okay, Kayla, you're going to get different questions. You're going to get a different um, answer from, and there are godly people on both sides of this argument. I think you need to be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really do. Um, I'm not for divorce. The Bible says God hates divorce. Now, I want to pause here. The Bible doesn't say that God hates divorced people. Malachi 3, though, specifically, God says, or is it 2? Is it 2 or 3? It's 2. Is it 3? Three? 3, thanks. Malachi 3, this says God hates divorce, 
not divorced people. Mm. Um, and so maybe the guy got divorced because his wife left him. Um, his wife had an affair. Uh, I, I have a friend, this is no lie, he got married and uh, he one day we were going to go to lunch. So he came to pick me up and we were going out to eat and he, he couldn't talk. Like he physically couldn't talk. He's just, and I'm like, dude, are you okay? When I finally got him to talk at lunch, he said, my wife left me today. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? His name was Pete. I said, what do you mean, Pete? And he said, my wife called her dad and said, I don't like Pete anymore. And her dad came over to our house this morning and like pretty much brought a gun, told Pete. And so then I go into all, I'm like, Pete, did, did you, um, have you ever beat her? He's like, no. And Pete, Pete was a wiry dude. He couldn't have beat up anybody anyway. And I'm like, did you? He's like, Perry, he said, I swear to you. He said, I swear to you. I don't know what happened. Hmm. And so, um, and now that that might be the, the rare exception, but there are people out there that that happened to. Hmm. And so I would say you, you, need to be, you, need to be, you need to be open to who God's best for you is. And I understand wanting to experience things for the first time. I understand all of that. But, man, there's the, the thing that you should want more than anything, Kayla, is the man that will fight for your heart and treasure you and value you above anything else mm-hmm. other than Jesus. That's, that's the man you that's need to awesome. be looking for. That's great. And that leads us to our last question, um, which is from Kim in South Carolina. And she asks, is there ever grounds for divorce aside from abuse or infidelity? Well, Kim, great question. You're going to find godly people on both sides of the issue. Um, I'm going I'm to tell you no. Um, because because th- this, is, this is reality. And there'll peop- there, there's people out there that'll say this isn't true and they're liars. If you've been married for, for more than six months, you've considered divorce. Six months, would that be all right? Six months, married people at the table, maybe three. If you've been married for three, six months, you've been like, what have I done? Divorce? I mean, yeah. Yeah, year one, year two, year 10, year 10. Yeah, because when you first date, um, it's like you, you, all you get are people's Instagram moments. Mm. So, and, and I call it Instagram moments because with Instagram with a selfie, how many selfies do you take before you post one? Mm. I mean, like, and so you get the, you get the other person's best version of them. That's right. And then when you get married. Um, I'm just going to tell you, when you get married, the first time the other person takes a dump, <laughs> it's like the most horrifying wow. thing in the <laughs> world. It's, I mean, am I making this up? I'm not. Oh you, I mean, th- there are single people right now going, I've never thought about yeah. this. And I'm like, no, well, you're, you're going to smell it. So you better figure out a system because it wow. gets weird. Uh, you, you, you have different opinions on how the dishes should be yeah. done. You have different opinions on... Um, should the clothes be washed or who should, I mean, you have different opinions and the longer you stay married, the more you realize that I'm I'm doing an entire message on this. The number one reason for divorce in America today, the number one reason, most people think it's money. It's not money. Money's either number two or number three. The number one reason is relational incompatibility. 
We have irreconcilable differences. We're relationally Mm -hmm. incompatible. But here's the deal. You were relationally incompatible way before you got married. And so you just got to decide, I'm going to fight for my marriage rather than fight in my marriage in order for that thing to work. Because I'm telling you, I'm 15 years in, and um, it's a fight. It's mm-hmm. a fight, and it's a struggle, and but it's it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, because being married and then having kids really, really, really exposes um, our own selfishness. Mm. Wow. So yeah, I would, I would, I would say, I would say no. And um, once again, there's other people that think there are reasons, but um, I just that that's where I land. That's good. Things that single people have to look forward to. Fighting for your marriage rather than in your marriage. Yep. That's great. And, Any- then, and then figuring out the bathroom thing. Yes. Yeah. It's awkward. <laughs> oh, wow. Malachi 2. Thanks, Shane. It's Malachi 2. It's not Malachi 3. Malachi 3 tells you to do the <laughs> Um Malachi 2 says you shouldn't get divorced. Good to know. Possibly- Malachi 1 says you shouldn't bring blemished animals oh, to the Oh, well, there you all. go. Yep. Good to know. Malachi 4 says that he will rise with healing in his wings. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't know where Kentucky is? Nope. Or Tennessee. Or Tennessee. Mm-mm. We're going to get Stacy a geography test. Yeah, absolutely. I need somebody in the next podcast to email me in from Utah, Nebraska. There's probably one person listening in Nebraska because I think there's, I don't, I'm not even sure they have internet in Nebraska. Kansas, um, New Mexico, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. If I could get those states to email in a question for the next podcast would be amazing. I'll learn where they are. Before, okay. Okay. Cool. Yep. Cool. Awesome. With that being said, any final thoughts past B before we close out today's podcast? No, I'm just enjoying this podcast. I hope you are too. Thanks for everybody that emailed in and I'm looking forward to the, um, the book being released next year. Um, and so as the book is, as we're continuing to, to develop the book, it's about uh, 75% done right now. And a lot of the questions that are being asked really are shaping what the book, mm-hmm. the relationship book is looking like. So if you guys will continue to email your questions in, let us know your questions. We would love to be able to serve you by um, answering those. So thank yep. you so much for those of you that are that are participating with this. And you can send those questions in by going to perrynoble.com forward slash ask because we would love to answer them on the upcoming podcast Absolutely. as well. Awesome. We'll be back next month. We'll see you soon.